Hello, hello, and welcome to Should I Wish Someone Told Me the After Party. This is the follow-up conversation from this week's episode of Should I Wish Someone Told Me Why You Can't Get Over Them. So what we are going to be doing here is what we spoke about on that episode. We're going to be talking about what you had to say in the polls this week, and we are going to be getting to know Adam a little bit better. So as soon as he pops on, which perfect timing, sir. I don't know how you did that. But here he is, Adam Moraskis, man and lady, women and women and ladies, gentlemen, people, folks, y'all, anyone and everyone. Here <laughs> he is, the man of the hour. Welcome, welcome. Um, let's dive into it. So go ahead, if you would, and please recap what we spoke about in this week's episode. Yes. Uh, first of all, stoked to be here at the after party exclusive with you, Jonna. Um, it's been a fun week of the, the podcast and the polls and all that stuff. So thank you. I'm stoked. Um, whether you listen to the episode or not, or you're going to listen to it for the first time or re-listen to it, whatever, let me give you a quick rundown of what we talked about. Shit, I wish someone would have told me. Um, my answer to that question to Jonna was 100% of relationships end sooner or later you know like that's that's what happens welcome to earth buckle up shit's gonna get rough here you know like relationships and it kind of sucks this is part of the human experience all right so it's all good and it's supposed to suck right because uh, a significant other is is meeting a whole lot of your needs and then they disappear you got a whole bunch of unmet needs which always feels like crap whether you're in a relationship or not unmet needs feels crappy so like that's normal um, what it looks like for a lot of people, there's rumination, isolation, there's this whole grieving process where there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, eventually acceptance. But there's a lot that goes into that. You know, it looks different for different people. And we talked about on the podcast, what are the costs of hanging on too long? Because breaks up, breakups, there's a natural process to that. It's totally fine. You don't need to pathologize or fix it. Like, just go through the sloppy experience. But if you're hanging on way too damn long, then we have problems. And there's, um, you can go into a negative shame spiral and just um, not climb out of it. <laughs> you know, we talked about laying in bed and eating granola bars for two weeks, mm -hmm. stuff like this. Wait, someone told me they felt attacked. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Actually, they told yeah. me they felt attacked by that, and I was like, "Well, because just what you do is what you do." Yeah. Yeah. We go into survival mode, and um, yeah. And if we stay there too long, it gets dark. Um, and there can be all kinds of powerlessness and victimhood and blamey, shamey. Like we can just spiral. Um, and. Yeah, I feel like I can do a whole nother episode on, on shit spirals. But anyway, then we talked about why do people have this death grip on the relationship? So uh, when it ends, it often feels like evidence that you're an unlovable piece of shit. So there's this shame attached to like, I failed at my relationship and people don't want to let that happen. So they're going to fight tooth and nail to try to make it last. Um, oftentimes, it's straight up a trauma response. Just you have an abandonment wound you know, and you're triggered by the, the loss of this relationship. And so there could be just some compulsive things where you're acting crazy, doing things out of character, don't know why you're doing what you're doing. You're just overwhelmed by your emotions. Like there's, there could be some underlying trauma stuff going on there. Um, again, a significant 
partner or significant other meets a whole lot of our emotional needs, right? Like love and belonging are, are vital human needs. And so uh, one, the person who meets these emotional needs, we assign a whole lot of value to, they're super important. And when they go away, it's a tremendous loss. It's terrifying. You know, I always picture like when you pick up a cat and its legs go like this and it just like, it's freaking out, you know, like that's how it feels when you lose your person. And you're just like, what the fuck? Ah! You know, and it's this kind of reflexive response. So, um, death grip on the relationship, uh, because breakups are super inconvenient to yeah. try to unravel everything that you've had together. Right. Um, Emotionally and also logistically between uh, like, living together, your friend groups. Yeah. Everything. It's a lot of work. No one likes a, a breakup. Right. Um, and also sometimes people use a breakup as a distraction to just hang on to it and not focus on themselves or healing or learning or growing or like, why am I so desperate and, and feel so broken right now? Like, is there something that I need to be doing? Let's focus on the relationship or focus on, um, oh, wow, they're already firing some good questions at us. <laughs> um, and so the other thing too is with this deaf grip on the relationship is uh, you'll see a big difference in anxious uh, attachment style and an avoidant attachment style where um, uh, avoidant folks to generalize tend to appear like they're handling a breakup much better and anxious people are dying and absolutely crushed by breakups. And this is anxious attachment at its heart is driven by self-abandonment. And if you abandon yourself in order to be in a relationship and then they leave, you're left with nothing and it's devastating much more devastating than it is for avoided folks in general. Um, and so in the podcast, we talked about all that. And then we got to the, how the hell do I get over them? How, what, do, what do I do? Tell me, I want to fix it. What do I do? And so um, number one is, is leave the burning building, <laughs> like get out. You know, a lot of people want to hang out and like discuss the curtains or, you know, whatever they want to debate, roll around in the mud. Yeah, I uh, love that you said a lot of people like to warm themselves by the fire. Because yes. they're just like, ah, I feel seen. I feel seen. Ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. People will do that. And they want to hang out and um, maybe do a little Facebook stalking, maybe throw some hand grenades over the wall, the digital wall that we were talking about, you know, like text messaging, mm -hmm. just off the wall stuff. Um, anyway, so get out of there. You know, if you can do a no contact or as little contact as possible to detox, to like, to do some, some triage, you know, like right. <laughs> medic, you know, we need to take care of the situation, right. get away from, from the, the burning building. Um, and we need a bunch of support. We need friends, people who love us, safe people, places and things that we can surround ourselves with. Because when we're that hurt, it, it can be difficult to take care of ourselves. And so being around people who can do that for us. And remember, you just lost the person who is meeting a whole bunch of your needs. And so you have to replace those, those needs. Because when your needs aren't met, you feel like doo-doo. And when your needs are met, you feel wonderful. That's just a, a principle of life. And so you have this source that was meeting your needs is removed and you got to replace that. So you don't feel like an eternal turd. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta do something about that ASAP. 
We also talked about how a breakup is a great opportunity to inventory, to do some introspection, journaling, talking about it with a friend, a therapist, spend some time alone, whatever, um, and learn. This is like, if I'm just single and happy, I'm usually not trying to like learn about myself in relationships. If I'm in a, a wonderful relationship, oftentimes I'm like, oh, this is great. Eight broke, don't fix it. Exactly. But after a breakup, you're like, holy shit, something went wrong this is the time to learn and to heal and figure some things out. And like, this is a very rich opportunity to learn about yourself, to learn about your partner, to learn about attachment theory, codependency, shame, trauma, all that shit. Like just dive in, do that work. And that's going to help you move through the experience instead of just being gripped by your emotions. And then uh, on that note, don't numb, escape, distract, self-medicate. If you can avoid it, like lean into the experience, feel it, learn the lesson so you don't do it again next week. You know, right. be present with that experience. And so that's, that's the, the short version of the podcast. You want to hear more, go listen to the podcast. <laughs> go listen to the podcast. Yeah, it got a lot of great feedback. And one of the, you mentioned the stalking and, you know, to go cold contact, multiple people <laughs> commented particularly on the stalking part as well. So the granola bars and the stalking, you all were like, Oh shit. I I've done either or, or both. And so, um, it's okay. We're not shaming you, but you know, we're saying like, Hey, maybe, maybe you could use that information and, um, do something different. Maybe if that's what you choose. Um, and something else that you pointed out about the sense of community, meeting people or finding people that can support those needs and finding ways to get those needs met when you know this person who was meeting all of them who were looking to to meet all of them is suddenly no longer there right like the they can't be like what is happening like let me get my bearings and i want to repeat a quote that is worth like tattooing to our foreheads and that is find people that will love you until you remember how to love yourself yes like, and so i think that that is something that is so important um and that you know it's really something that it's a way of putting it because we're all like, yeah, like we need people, you know, but it's something where I feel that that's like really a way of like, yeah. And here's why, like, here's why this is important. And so I really, I wanted to emphasize that um, again. And thank you for that recap. Like it was a damn good one. I was very impressed. You were like, I've got this. Thank you. Bring it. And so, let, let me, um, let me add, can I interject something you just said? Yeah. Uh, reminded me that this is a thing I come across a lot where people have this, this fear, you know, that relationships aren't safe, fear of intimacy, vulnerability or whatever. And so, Hey Shada, I see you homegirl. My homegirl just joined. Um, welcome, welcome. Uh, but so some people will pick one person on this earth that will be their one person that, you know, I share everything with and all my wants and my needs and hopes and dreams. Like you're the one person because I'm not, I don't feel safe sharing my life with all these other people, right? So I'm just going to pick one because that'll kind of, you know, minimize, do a little damage control, put all my eggs in that one basket. And we know how that goes. But so I, I see this pattern a lot and it's, it makes sense. You know, I grew up in a terrible childhood. I've learned relationships aren't safe. I'm going to do it sparingly. I'm going to pick one person. That's my person. You need to be my everything. You go away. I want to die. So we're taking a look at. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Are we going to look at poll results? or We're going to look at poll cool? results, which uh, you started us off on a good one, not a planned segue, but a wonderful one. So we asked, the first question was, have you ever struggled to get over someone? And 
unsurprisingly, 93% of people said yes. I was honestly surprised that 7% of people said no. Like, I was surprised it wasn't 100% yes. <laughs> like, yeah. But um, kudos to you. Not saying you might be the avoidant type, just kidding. Um, but kudos to those of you who have not struggled. Um, the rest of us, the other 93%, I am part of that 93%. It's one of the reasons I came to you with this um, and this conversation. And so this conversation is helpful to me. I hope it was for others. And so thank you if I haven't said that before. Mm -hmm. But the next question, because you had mentioned a couple of times you think you're going to die, was have you ever felt like you might literally die after a breakup? So 63% of people said yes, because like we spoke about, like emotions, you know, research has shown that emotions are, you know, as uncomfortable or can be as uncomfortable as physical pain. And so mm -hmm. makes total sense, especially whenever we are placing all of our needs like on this person. 27% um, of people said no. 13% of people said one time I actually died. And that's so, impressive. That is impressive. And 13% of people died. <laughs> 13, but they came back um, as ghosts to listen to our podcast and answer our polls. So thank you all. Um, one of them actually, one of them was a joke. One of them I know, like they laughed at it and they're like, you amused me. Um, it was my cousin actually. And the other one, I didn't ask any follow-up details. Um, but someone, one of, one of the 13%, they slid into um, my DMs and were like, let me explain. I had a mental breakdown and I thought I was dying. And so whenever they told me that, I was like, I remember, uh, I know this person and we had actually had a conversation about that. Um, and so, yeah, they, they literally thought that they were. And so I think that this is just a testament to the importance of this conversation um, because yeah, like shit is real. Shit. Yes, very serious. Yeah, and, and all of our our diseases and illnesses are all tied to stress and, and emotions and trauma. And there's this huge mind body stress connection that we're we're just now starting to realize how important it is. So, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a good mm -hmm. comment. Yeah, I feel like mm -hmm. part of the ego dies, which feels super real to the mind. Yeah. Mm hmm. It feels and, like a death. And so it is a death because, and this is something I shared with you right before we hopped on, I had something that came up for me after listening to our episode, like when it came out on Monday. And that was that, you know, perhaps one of the reasons why it is so difficult for us to let go and why we do have that death grip. Another reason other than what we talked about in the episode is because we're letting go of that part of ourselves that we were like, we're, re we're letting mm -hmm. go of that part of ourselves that, is the person that holds on that like is never going to give up on the relationship that's so dedicated or whatever that person might look like for you um the person that stayed stuck in that previous like normal like state that we are familiar with that might not be so best for us or might not be the best for us but that we know like you said um we prefer the misery of certainty wait say it again you say it you say it. We prefer, <laughs> we prefer, we prefer the certainty shit. of misery to the misery of uncertainty so yeah, we have this routine bred comfort of being with a person and we have our lives together and, and it, it all makes sense and everything's in its right place. And then boom, all that is, is upset and upside down and it's, it's a mess. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. tough. And comment here from, yeah, Shade says, the part of our identity that was totally enmeshed with the other person. Yeah. And Anxious Hearts Guide, we have your question we're gonna get to as well. Um, I appreciate she says she's done so much internet stalking. Girl, hashtag same. Um, 
I remember I had a flashback. I actually, <laughs> I had a flashback to a physical stalking. I remember driving somewhere. Um, yeah, I didn't share that on the episode. So that's proven. <laughs> I remember specifically, Adam, Heidi, it wasn't my ex, it was my friend's ex. And I was oh, like, how okay. close it, it was. It was my friend's ex, it was not mine. So I was an accomplice. I was driving the getaway car, but I actually did get out. I remember very clearly Heidi behind bushes. <laughs> So, classic, classic material. I, right? Like, that's only available here on the after party. Um, so right. <laughs> we spoke about, as well, unhealthy things that we do, like, you know, eating the granola bars and, you know, <clears throat> doing these other things. And we asked you as well, what are the unhealthy things that you do after a breakup? So what we propositioned you with, um, isolating, distracting, uh, food, so either binging food or not eating and restricting. We also offered uh, rebound sex and dating apps. And then we also offered drinking or drugs. So 54% of people said isolation or distraction. 38% mm -hmm. said food, so either binging or restricting. And then 8% said rebound sex or dating apps. 0% of people said drinking and drugs. Zero, right, right. I don't know if that's accurate information. Right. <laughs> I'm not um, buying it. A lot of people responded to these, which thank you. Thank you, by the way, for that. I was super excited to see how many people um, participate in the polls this week. But 0% out of all the people that responded. Yeah, we got to so eat all of the above. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. My man, he's honest. Thank you. I was like, none of y'all did drugs or drink after a break you said 13 of you died and you didn't drink anything yeah <laughs> come on i know you were thirsty mm. yeah i was like 13 percent of you died but no one yeah no one had a drink no one like smoked some weed like what yeah so yeah um were you surprised by these results 54 percent isolation 38 percent food either binging or restricting and then eight percent rebound sex and then the no one no one <laughs> I, I think I think it checks out more or less. Were people able to choose more than one or they had to pick one? They had to pick one. Okay. But, all right. So that makes a little more sense. But usually if it's all of the above, they will slide into my DMs and say all of the above. Mm. Which y'all okay. not do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not exactly the Gallup polls or anything, but um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I, I think the the first thing that comes to mind with a breakup is like this shrinking, isolating, fetal position, you know, cue the granola bar situation. So I, I think, and, and that may have been the first choice. And so people looked at and go, yes, definitely that's my experience. And and yeah, I think like Mark said, you know, it's usually all of the above for a lot of people. So it may have been a, a faulty question. I think it needed, it, it needed, it needed all of the above option. Well, Instagram was caught blocking us and it would not let us be great and, <laughs> and ask for all of the above. But yeah, so I wasn't surprised by the isolating, um, but I was, and the, or the food or the sex. But yeah, I was, I was surprised that we didn't have more all the above or any all the above. And I was surprised that no one said drinking. So, yeah. but yes, those otherwise not surprising. On the flip side, we asked you what healthy things do you do after a breakup? So those responses included uh, self-soothe care, like self-soothing, self-care, giving yourself time and space, getting support, whether that be family, friends, therapy, coach, or we did, and this one happened, all of the above. 50% of you said all of the above. So kudos for that well-rounded toolbox. 
29% said getting support, which Adam spoke about in the beginning is a very important part of it. The 14% of you said give myself time and space. And then 7% said self-soothe and self-care. So that's great. Right. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, okay. Y'all, okay. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And it's a then win. when it comes to um, the questions that you all had, shall we dive into those? Yeah, let's go. There were some really good questions, y'all. So thank you. I mean, some of these, I was like, I, I could do a workshop on pretty much all these questions. So <laughs> I'll try to give you the, the short answer, but I might get a little windy on these. So go for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. And if y'all, if you want Adam to do workshops or talk more about one, then let us know in the comments. Um, and thank you for your comments. I see them. We're going to read back over them here in just a second. I'll go ahead just for reference. So Christine says, I'm coming out of a 32 and a half year marriage, 35 and a half years together. Oof. And it's been five months and I'm better, but it's been the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Oh, thank you for sharing and yeah. wishing you all the luck. Yeah, there's, there's Mark, all of the above. Thank you. We have another comment, um, Sonia. Sometimes the reasons it's so hard to let go is that so much has been invested. And by that, I don't mean assets, material, or money, but time given or spent, memories, emotions, etc. Oh my God, mm -hmm. yes. I had this conversation with someone the other day about, yeah, it's like that relational equity, right? Like if mm. I invested a lot of my time and energy and effort and, you know, we have tenure on top of that, like, right, like we've been together for a long time, then that's something where this person is likely going to be someone that I'm holding stronger to. And that doesn't necessarily have to be like a time thing, right? It could just be if I felt very close to this person, then if that has been a big investment on my part, then yeah, I'm going to be more likely to try to do the, but what if, but like, maybe, well, I'll just wait, like, let me be patient. Like I'm more likely to do that. And yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to let go in that sense. Do you have anything to comment yeah. on that? You were, your face was like, mm. no, no. I mean, it just, it, it, it checks out. Um, that's the most important investments that we do. Like vulnerability is the currency of relationships. And I say this all the time. My friend Dane said this. He said that vulnerability is the price of admission to a real relationship. Like you have to be vulnerable in, in order to even connect. In fact, I'm publishing an article tomorrow morning about how uh, being inauthentic prevents connection. So be, be, on, be on the lookout for fixerpicker.com slash blog. If you're not subscribed, go get it. Fresh articles every Saturday. Anyway, um, we got to be authentic. We got to be vulnerable. And, and that's scary, that emotional risk, emotional exposure. And yeah, we, we invest a lot of time and effort and energy. And yeah, like taking those emotional risks because building intimacy, it's a whole series of, of letting someone further and further into our hearts. And it's scary each step of the way. Oh my God, are they going to reject me? Oh my God, am I going to lose this? Like all these fears and insecurities. And we fight through that to get to this, this connection, this intimacy. And then when we lose it, we're like, ah, I was working so hard on that. Right. So, right. Yes. It's like, I, I showed you my, my heart. Like I, um, <sighs> yeah, I read something that was that love is giving yourself some, giving someone the ability to break your heart and trusting that they won't. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah. my, yes. Uh, Shandra said, well, that's how 90s kids had to stop before the internet. That's what I said. That's what I said. The person that I was telling that we did the drive-by, I was like, well, in my defense, this was before Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> or this is how, how we did it in the good old days. This, this is old school. Yeah. We used bushes. We hid in the bushes, okay? 
These yeah. whippersnappers don't know anything about that. These whippersnappers don't know. Let me let me tell you about back in my day. Yeah, when I was. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we have a couple more comments, and then we'll grab to these. We'll get to these questions. So yeah, thirteen percent of you died, and no one had any alcohol. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, oh, we have a good question here from Mark Marks that we will get to as well once we work through the questions that we have here. Um, and so with that, okay, we're officially caught up. So. First question that was responded or asked rather in the polls this week um, on Wednesday, get ready y'all. You might want to grab a drink or some weed if you partake, so, <laughs> <laughs> but you're not of the people. Buckle up. If that's you. But so first question, I'm in denial. How do I accept it's over that I wasn't the reason? Whew. Okay. So there's, there's a couple parts to this question. The first thing this I am in denial when I read that question, the first thing I thought of was um, Melody Beatty has a book called The Language of Letting Go that is fire if you don't know about this book. It's a daily reader, like every day of the year has a page with a, with a, a message all about relationships, codependency, healing, you know, all this stuff. Um, but in that book, she says, denial is the shock absorber of the soul. Yeah, let that marinate. Mm, denial is the shock absorber of the soul. I remember reading that and I was like, damn, she's right. So it's denial isn't a bad thing. That's our soul trying to protect itself, right? And so uh, I'm in denial, like, yeah, maybe, maybe you need that for a little bit. And that's why it's, it's one of the five stages of grief. Like it's built in there. It's, it's, it's kind of a natural thing. So don't shame yourself uh, for, for being in denial. Um, you'll move through it. Now, the other part of that question, how do I accept that it's over? So the first thing I would encourage you to, to consider is what do you have acceptance? And then what does non-acceptance look like? Mm. It, it looks like mental anguish it, it, as far as I'm concerned. Like, ne like, I don't know what other form of non-acceptance doesn't look hellish and terrible. <laughs> like acceptance, you know, not that acceptance is fantastic, but acceptance is where you can find peace with it, you know, even if it sucks, you're like, oh, this, you know, this is terrible, but like, it is what it is. We're going to keep it moving. Non-acceptance is this wrestling match with reality in which you will lose 100% of the time. <laughs> you can't, can't wrestle reality down to the ground and like choke it out, you know, like yeah. non-acceptance, it, it just, it sucks. And so acceptance kind of is the answer. Um, it's the answer you may not like. And acceptance works great now. You can, you can not accept something for 10 years and be mad, resentful, and, and shitty. And, you know, it can suck for 10 years, and then you accept it. Wow, oh, good job. But that acceptance would have been better if you did it immediately. So uh -huh. moving to acceptance, hopefully that just encourages you to like, hey, maybe I should learn about acceptance, surrender, humility, letting go, whatever it is. Find out how to move towards acceptance. And here's some things that will help you moving towards acceptance. The grieving process, right? So remember, the stages of grief, there's uh, denial, then there's anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance is hopefully the, the end goal. Um, and you kind of have to do all of those things, right? You can't just skip to the acceptance, right? right? You, got, you got to lean in to, to all of those ugly, hard emotions and feelings. And so um, dude, Pete Walker in his book, Complex PTSD, he talks about the, the process of, of grieving. And he says that um, four key elements of grieving are angering, trying, 
feeling and verbally ventilating, right? So like, you gotta cry, you gotta cry it out. <laughs> like those, yeah. those tears, you gotta move that emotion through your body, not just intellectually, oh, this sucks. You gotta feel it. And when you cry, that means there's some things moving, some emotions, some energy is moving. So you gotta cry. So I, I think I talked about this um, on the podcast where I had a breakup and I was good at not feeling. I was yep. good at like turning off my feelings. And I said, I'm going to lean into this thing because I need to feel this. Yeah. Right? And so I, I made a playlist of terrible, sad breakup songs and listened to it. And I cried. I made myself cry. I like, you know, yeah, I, I spent time feeling it and, and crying. Um, and angering is important, too. Right, getting pissed off about the whole situation at yourself, at the other person, at whatever, like just feeling the anger. Because this is another thing that a lot of people who suppress anger, because they grew up, you know, in an abusive house, and like it's not okay to feel anger. So, right. like, let me just suppress it. Your body is is holding all that fire. You got to let it out. Anger is not a bad thing. It's what you do with it. Right. Right. So having an outlet for your anger, you got to cry and you have to feel your feelings. And a lot of people think that like emoting is feeling. And that's not true because you can feel really sad, but then be emoting, you know, anger or, or whatever uh, other emotion. But sitting still, putting your ass in a chair and actually feeling whatever it is. And there's layers of fear and insecurity and shame and vulnerability, like whatever all the feelings writing about it. And so this is the, the other piece that he says, uh, like verbalizing this, this grief experience, talking about it, writing about it, um, putting words around the experience to like really go all the way into the experience and feel it so you can move out the other side of it yeah. towards acceptance. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other things I want to say about moving towards acceptance, um, the one is um, replacing all those needs that aren't getting met by your partner anymore. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a whole list of unmet needs, you're going to go lizard brain, right? You're like, my need, blah, you know, and you're not going to be able to let go right. or to accept. Right. You're going to go into the distraction, the not drinking, but the sex and the food restriction or binging. And, yeah, and, and the drinking. <laughs> and the drinking. I think the drinking too. That, like, that's going to happen. Yeah. Who said no drinking? But yeah. Yeah, so I agree with that 100%. So, and if you have a hard time replacing those needs, that's why we have a support group. That's why we have friends. That's why we have therapists, coaches, people that are there for us and care about us that can be like, hey, you need, you need to take care of these needs. How are you getting these needs met? And, and just showing up for you and being there for you. And then the last thing I'll say about moving towards acceptance is um, if you have an abandonment wound, you know, which is probably everyone with an anxious attachment style, you may have a trauma response that, again, is kind of like just a fight or flight lizard brain kind of thing right. that you have very little control over. And so in order to move towards acceptance, you got to put that fire out. And so a good way to do that is to, to get this is kind of like the last one about getting your needs met. But your fundamental attachment needs are feeling safe, seen, soothed and secure. Those four S's. If you can get those things locked in then your nervous system can calm down and you can be like, oh, okay, I'm not dying. How, you know, what's the next right thing? What's the next step in this process? You can move towards acceptance. But as long as you're in this survival mode, uh, it's, it's, it's gonna be uh, crazy. It's gonna be batshit crazy. Okay, and then the third part of that, that question was um, that I wasn't the reason. 
It was the question was, I'm in denial. How do I accept it's over that I wasn't the reason? And so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this. I think like find it like let's play who's find the bad guy, you know, fault, blame, shame. I don't think right. any of that shit is helpful. Right. Right. And so even just the idea of like it was my partner or it was my fault, like that one of us was the reason. I don't know that there has to be a reason. Even even just the idea of the witch hunt of let's, you know, like, like ah, it's not helpful. Let, just let that go. Yeah. Let, just let that go. It's, it's not no one wins. No one wins yeah. there. Because it's, it's going to turn into blame and shame. I, I put out a video today, actually, about how blame and shame yep. are just the worst and they're not helpful. They're both, it's the yeah. Audi and the Innie of not taking personal responsibility for healing and growth and whatever. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, this, it's like a bar to, to moving forward. So let go of this, this idea of, of whose fault was it. Um, there was a dude, uh, Gary Zukov wrote The Seed of the Soul. And in that book, he talks about the difference between uh, marriage and a spiritual partnership. And he says, uh, bear with me now. It sounds like real hippie, woo-woo kind of stuff. But it's, it's legit. He said, a marriage is, I'm going to stay with you until I die. Mm -hmm. Just like, simple as that, fact. Right. A spirit, yeah. Yeah, we're just going to stay together until we die. Even if we hate each other for the right. next 50 years. We're staying together, goddammit. That's, that's a marriage. <laughs> a spiritual partnership is where you say, I'm committed to being with you as long as we are evolving, learning, healing, growing, as long as we can help each other on our journey of our soul's evolution in this world. And that. when that's no longer possible, we part ways. Because that's why I came to Earth is to learn and heal and grow. In fact, every living organism's purpose is to grow. Anything that's not growing is dead. And so if you guys in your relationship stop growing, like either, you know, maybe it's a, you hit a, a lull, you hit a plateau, and you need to shake something up, or maybe it's time to part ways. We don't know. Either, either way, I don't think we need to find out whose fault it was. Yeah. So that's my take on that question. Feel free to add anything if you would like to. My that was friend. very thorough. And thank you for <laughs> said a lot of awesome things. And about the acceptance piece, uh, actually last week's episode is about accepting your reality. And we talked about a lot of awesome things, not planned, but uh, I definitely recommend that if you are struggling with accepting your reality, that you give that a listen because we don't do like a toxic positivity. Everything happens for a reason. Bullshit. We very much are clear about like, look, sometimes stuff, shit just happens. And mm -hmm. um, something that you mentioned that we also spoke about a bit more in depth in that conversation is that like, yeah, you can sit in the misery and wallow in it. Like we spoke about in our episode, like rub your granola bars all over you. And you don't <laughs> have to, like, you don't have to, like, if you could just let it go. And this acceptance piece of it, we really speak about coming from a place of non-attachment, right? We're like, I see it. It sucks. I acknowledge that. And at the same time, I'm not letting it define me and like who I am. I'm feeling what I need to feel. I'm not distracting. But at the same time, it's something where I'm not letting that drive my behavior. And what you were saying about the, um, you know, acknowledging what it is that you're feeling, the acceptable feelings, which is actually next week's episode, and looking at like what's underneath those surface feelings. Because for me, for example, I get angry. I used to get very angry. And it's really when I started getting curious and like looking at like what's beneath that, like what you said, mm. what the fears are, it was that I felt rejected. I felt hurt. I felt abandoned. And I felt scared. Like, what if, what if I am unlovable? And so, you know, 
I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't felt the feels, which we also did another episode about, but that's beside the point. So I definitely think that, um, yeah, those are all awesome points that you made. And whenever you mentioned the part, I just want to acknowledge and give you kudos that, um, that I wasn't the reason that, yeah, going to that witch hunt, like, yeah, like that, what does that do? Like, what, what are you trying to do by figuring out like where the blame is? I understand that like, we, we want to, you know, have that certainty, like, well, this is the problem. Like, this is what happened. Like, I understand that. And at the same time, you know, it might not make sense right now. And the sooner you can be okay with that, I'm not saying you have to accept it in the sense that you have to be in agreement with it. That's not what acceptance means. Acceptance does not mean that I agree with what happened. And that's what Mm -hmm. we also talk about in last week's episode. Acceptance just means that I'm no longer going to fight it because I I acknowledge that this is the reality of the situation right now. And Mm -hmm. that's going to free up energy for me, like not like fighting against what's true to figure out what I can do for myself in order to not make this suck so much. Like you said, like, yeah, it sucks. And you're making it suck more when you just like, try to hold on like but why yeah what happened like was it me was it them and so that's that's what i have to say about that yeah yeah we said pain is inevitable but suffering is optional yes we, we don't have to suffer yeah yes so. an anxious heart guide said that's what i'm looking for a spiritual partnership i'm here as long as we both feel we're good for each other and are advancing each other yes amen um, yes ricky i hear you girl we have another good question i will add that to the list um, but we have a few more to work through that came through for Wednesday. So that was first one. Let's go into the second one, which is also a good one. So yes, I think they're all good ones. Like they're all, I don't say it's awesome, but they're, they're all awesome as well as the ones that we're getting here. So keep them coming. Uh, we'll keep answering them as long as Adam and I like have space to do so. Um, yeah. So second question, I don't want to repeat this. How do I prevent it? Yeah, this is my whole career is, is based on this actually. <laughs> fixing your picker. Fixing your picker. Yeah. Just go call Adam and then That's right. he'll fix it. He'll fix your picker, bada bing, bada boom, and it's not gonna happen again. There we go, the handle. So to, to answer the question, um, first I'll say that, that people date at their own level. This is, this is terrifying news. It's an inconvenient truth. People don't wanna hear this. People date at their own emotional level. And this is why it's not, my partner's fault is, you know, going back to the witch hunt. There's never like, it was, you know, there's one perfect partner and the other one was a piece of trash. Sometimes it looks that way on the outside. You know, if someone's like a flaming drug addict, you're like, well, obviously he's the problem. Um, but that's not true. Like, you know, people, people partner up in a very specific way. And so if you are partnering up um, with a, uh, scumbags <laughs> if you have a track record of, of dating uh people who suck um it's reflecting some something inside of you that that needs a good looking at um and another thing i like to say is bruce lipton wrote that uh our life is a printout of our subconscious mind right and so whatever is in your life like that's inside you the, the world is reflecting that back to you your partner is reflecting something back to you that's inside of you I, I did this in my last video uh, last week. I said that your, your self-esteem is like a, 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 a thermostat that people will rise or fall to meet. So your partner is meeting you at your level. And if your partner sucks, there's something inside of you that's bringing that up. 
it's some toxic shame. I don't deserve better. I'm not good enough, you know, or this fear of vulnerability or this codependency, some trauma response. There's, there's something um, that, that needs to be taken care of, you know? And uh, so this is why I say after a breakup, that's the time to dig in and do work. Coach, therapist, journaling, like take some workshops and classes, like do this work to improve. Because if you just say, oh man, this is terrible. I need to just be single for a while. You'll get relief but you won't get recovery. Woo. Relief, relief That's is just, yeah. If you just, if you spend some time single and people do this, they will feel relief. Oh, thank God that's over. And they'll get into a groove being single and I can take care of myself, blah, blah, blah. They have this relief. They get a little time away from the burning building, but they haven't changed. And the same person is gonna make the same mistakes. <laughs> the same person is gonna do the same thing. He's gonna pick another partner just like the last one. You have to change. You want a different partner, you have to change. And so the question, how do I stop this from, how do I prevent this from, from repeating is you have to heal and learn and grow. And it's super uncomfortable stuff. Russell Brand wrote in a book that recovery isn't a choice. It's, it's what you do when you fucking run out of choices. If I could have avoided this, I, I would have forever. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get sober. I had to cut out a bunch of crap from my life. I had to do therapy. Like I had to do these things to not hate myself and have a terrible life, right? So it was like back against the corner. I'm like, all right, I'll do therapy. I'll do coaching. I'll do, I'll read the books. I'll do the stuff, right. you know, so do that. And, and, and pain is a gift, right? When, when your ass is on fire after a breakup, gather all that pain and burn it as fuel on your journey to a better place. You have to grow if you want to date better people. And it's, you got to learn about boundaries. You got to learn about taking care of your needs. You gotta learn about healthy connection, vulnerability. There's a lot to learn about. It's, it's all about your emotional intelligence and your, your self-esteem. You gotta raise the bar on those things so you stop attracting bums. Make sense? You, got, you gotta stop being bum bait. I, I just laughed because you said you gotta do that so you'll stop attracting bums. Like what a beautiful <laughs> statement there. What a beautiful yeah. statement. Yeah, I made a comment. I think I made this comment in our actual episode, but it, it's oftentimes something where it's like you attract a lot of people, but you choose the bums. Like you're, you choose what's, mm -hmm. better, what's not necessarily best first or what you want. You choose what you know because you're like, oh, well, they feel so, they feel so familiar. Good. They feel familiar. They're, hmm. they're familiar. Don't mistake, you know, them feeling good with familiarity. And I think that that's important. Um, and so, yeah. And then Natalie Brooke, I see we have a question. I will add that as well to the list. Um, I see a bunch of my homies in the comments right now. It's killing me. <laughs> I love you guys. I love, I love all of you. Oh my God, they're getting. Oh man. Welcome in. Okay, cool. So yeah, I think that that yeah, there's there's a lot. And so I wanted what I wanted to add to this question is no additional information, but a consideration that. It's a lot to change yourself. It's a lot, like you said, like recovery, like doing the work, it is a lot. And so my intention with what I'm saying right now is to support you if you are feeling like it's a lot and to say, that's because it is like, I acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And this isn't something where I'm like, okay, well let me, you know, stack you up with a bunch of books and like, you know, give you a bunch of courses and like, let's do all this stuff. Do one thing at a time. Yes. Right? Like yes. awareness is the first step. And the yes. fact that you are asking the question that I don't want to repeat this, how do I prevent it? So my insight to you would be like, what are you repeating? What are the things that you have observed 
are a pattern that you don't want to repeat again. What are those things? Because when you're aware of them, what you're going to do is you're going to prime your reticular activating system to recognize, oh, this is one of those things that I don't want to repeat. I'm noticing it now in the beginning. And so I now for am aware of it and I get to act on it because awareness is nothing without implementation. So now that I'm aware of it, I get to make a choice now that I recognize it in the beginning. Do I want to continue and keep on keeping on? Like benefit of the doubt, seems like a nice person. Let me, you know, keep on going. Or do I want to remember all the times in the past that I said that same shit mm-hmm. and that didn't work out. And so this time mm-hmm. I see it. <clears throat> Now, knowing that, I'm going to choose differently. So I would say, figure out what the things are that you don't want to repeat. And then from there, allow yourself to be patient and to consider. I say something a lot. It's all just R&D. It's all just research and development. So you're doing the research now. Part of the research is acknowledging what things are that you don't want to repeat. So now you get to do the development. When did these things come up? And how are you going to respond differently so that you can get a different outcome so that you will prevent this the next time? So you're talking literally about the, the fiction picker workbook that I have on my website that, that you can download. It's this whole inventory of patterns and characteristics and relationships, a fear inventory. What kind of love did you learn growing up? What kind of love do you want? Like this, it's a whole inventory process. And so that, that evolved from me having terrible breakups after terrible relationships because I didn't have the skills to do it. And then journaling, 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 working with, with therapy and, and, and just learning a whole lot about how to, how to fix my picker, essentially. But, um, and I created this, this process, this inventory process. You can download that, that workbook on my website and it's, it's real easy to walk you right through it. So find out what you're actually repeating because a lot of people don't even know. They're like, I'm, I'm dating assholes. And it's like, well, what does that mean? You know, and how are you showing up in the relationship? Right, because right, because what I it takes asshole, it, it takes two hands to clap. You consider an asshole. Yeah, yeah, that too. But it it it, it takes two to tango, you know. And so again, you can't just say, "Oh, my partner did this. My partner's crazy," or "My partner like no, nah. like you 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 put on your shiny bottoms and hit the dance floor with that weirdo. Like get like you signed up. You're at least fifty percent of this situation. <laughs> you gotta own some part of it. So find out what that is. Find out what your 50% is and work on that. Don't waste time pointing your finger at somebody else's 50%. Like, that's none of your concern. They're gone. (laughs) So work on yours. (laughs) Right, they're gone. And now you're here listening to us talk to you about why you need to work on you. So, yeah, um, I did not mean to plug your workbook, but I'm glad that I did. You did it. You did it. I wasn't going to do it, but... so there you go. So if you want, you know, support on what I'm talking about, go ahead and head on over to um, Adam, who will be linked to the bio. Also, you can tap over there now, follow him and make sure that yeah, you sign up for that. So awesome. Um, question number three, moving right along. How to, st- oh, this is a good one. They're all good. How to stop blaming yourself for your part in the breakup? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um that's that gets that that gets you right in the feels right there that's like at the core of of this like self-loathing darkness that happens after breakups um how do i stop blaming myself for for my part in the breakup so first of all good on you for recognizing that like you played a part so did your partner right there's we're not blaming or shaming here but like yeah it, it takes two um a, a failed relationship is not a coincidence and neither is a healthy one you know what I mean? Like it, it takes two to really make either one of those things happen. So 
Um, what I would say, how to stop blaming yourself for their part, um, identify your part, like get specific. Like what exactly was I doing wrong? Was I demanding too much, controlling, or was I compliant? You know, was I inauthentic, dishonest, or was I, you know, what was my part? Like get clear on that. And again, that's kind of like what's in my workbook is, is identifying what are the ways that I'm showing up in relationships that is not serving me or my partner. So um, find out what those are and then figure out how to heal it. You don't know, ask somebody. Like don't reinvent the wheel. Some, like, you know, relationship coach, this is what I do, you know, but there's plenty of books, therapists, there's all kinds of resources out there. The internet, <laughs> there's this thing, the internet, so much available to figure out why do I do this? How do I stop doing this? Yeah. Lean into that. And when you heal it, then you don't have to be all ashamed and like blame yourself about it. You're like, oh. Power just went out. It's okay. I still hear you. You came back. Oh, am I back? You're back. Okay. The power went out. I live in the country of Panama. And so the power goes out sometimes. So here we are. <laughs> I'm surprised that I didn't lose you. Okay. Well, so, I'm glad um, you did because I would have. This is a miracle. This is, this is a, a real miracle right here. Relationship, you know, higher ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up. This is this is great. Okay, how do I stop blaming myself for my part? Okay, yep. radical self compassion. Like you, you gotta love yourself. And this is the thing. A lot of people have this idea that if I'm perfect, if everybody loves me, if I do everything right, then I can love myself. And it's the other way around. Self-love mm -hmm. isn't the finish line. It's the starting point. Yes. You have to start with loving yourself and all the other things follow from there. Like if you don't love yourself, nothing's going to be good enough. You'll, you'll never be good. Enough. Like nothing's going to work out for you. You have to love yourself. Um, so start there. And there's a book literally called Self-Compassion written by Kristen Neff. Get that. Scoop that book. Learn how to just love yourself unconditionally. Forge a fierce, allied, a fierce allegiance with yourself and be there for you no matter what. Because you're, you're all you got at the end of the day. You're, yep. you're like one ride or die. You got one of those and it's called you. So make sure you're riding for yourself. <laughs> you know, make sure that you are there for you. Especially like when you need somebody, you're like, oh, I'm in pain. Like I, I don't even have my own back. Like, right. mm, that, that's a tough situation. And, <laughs> right. and what else do I want to say about that? Okay, toxic shame, for sure. Shame, shame takes us to a, a place where shame wants to gather evidence and wants to prove how terrible and unlovable and broken we are. Um, yeah, to toxic shame. So shame reduction, shame work, therapy, digging, like discover what your inner critic is talking about. That's the, the voice of internalized toxic shame or life's just game bond. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's like what you were saying. Yeah. So uh, good. This is great. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. There's some healing to do. If you're blaming yourself, shaming yeah. yourself, there, there's something, there's something in there that, that wants your attention. Yeah. Yes, wants to be that, healed. I was going to say, so to me, what I see when I read this, how to stop blaming yourself for your part in the relationship. Yeah. Awesome. Like, you know, uh, accountability on, yeah. Like what, like acknowledging, like you said, like starting there as well. But also, like, what I see with this is a self-worth situation. And so, like mm -hmm. you said, just learning more about self-love. Um, yeah. And recognizing that you're human. Mm -hmm. You're not better than human. You're not less than human. Neither is your partner. 
And sometimes we like to do this, we like to demonize, and that's what shame does. Shame wants us to be better than or less than, not just like, oh, I'm a regular ass human being having a sloppy experience with relationships, because that's what they are. <laughs> They're sloppy, difficult, complicated things. And it's not supposed to be buttery smooth all the time. So like, give yourself grace, it's fine. You know, like, it, it didn't work out. And, and, and you're learning and healing and growing all the time. Unless, of course, you drinking and smoking and just not learning. <laughs> well, that's none of our viewers. None of our people. None of our people. Straight <laughs> as an arrow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all just R&D. Yeah, how to stop blaming yourself. I think that, yeah, exactly. Love yourself more. Give yourself that grace. Um, this one is particularly interesting. Why do they seem so cold after things being so great? It was over as we were the closest. <laughs> yeah, floor, that's a tough one. I'm gonna get back. Shit. <clears throat> hear ye, hear ye. Yeah. So, um, go on. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, in some instances, this person, um, I guess to, to simplify it, I could say they were pretending that everything was fine. But actually what that is, it's, if you want to dig into that, it's self-abandonment. It's fear of vulnerability. It's I don't know what my feelings are or how to communicate them. I don't know how to ask for what I need in this relationship. So I'm silently just going to suffer, pretend everything is pretty on the outside until I can't handle it anymore. And I break and I run. And then you go, what happened? Everything was lovely. You know, what, why did this happen? And it's because the person was, was suffering and didn't know how to relationship. And so they, they just had to pull the, pull the eject cord and get the hell out of there. Um, another instance could be um, just that people process things differently, you know, or don't process, as the case may be for some, <laughs> you know. Uh, people emote differently. Some people are really feeling it and going through it, and you, you wouldn't really know it. Some people are trained that, like, don't let them see you bleed. So they're, like, dying inside, but they're like, fine. Everything's fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, no, <laughs> you're dying. But whatever, whatever your childhood conditioning was where you weren't allowed to not be fine, like, there's people like that, you know? So some people, it looks cold, but, you know, there's, there's some fire going on inside. Mm -hmm. Also, please don't use social media as a measure of how your ex is doing. Mm. Oh, I've seen him out with his friends or, like, you know, or she's, like, with, with somebody else, this new guy, whatever. Like, social media is fake. Surely you know that. Surely you know that this is a funhouse mirror and it's this fake highlight reel. Like that's not that's not what's happening inside of somebody else's life. So don't don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Um, another thing about these, you know, why is this person called? I've heard. I don't really know, but I've, allegedly there's this phenomenon in, in the military where if there's a spouse who's who's going to be deployed, I've heard that sometimes they get to a fight right before deployment because it's easier to leave on a fight right. than it is that I love you more than anything in the world right now. And I'm going off to war or something Woo! like that's, that's harder to do. And so this coldness, this fight, whatever it is, it's like a self protective kind of armor defense mechanism dissociation. It, it's, it, it's a way that someone is dealing with emotions and emotions yeah. are hard. Yeah. And another thing I say all the time is, is Dr. Gabor Mate said that uh, trauma teaches us to fear our feelings instead of feel our feelings. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are walking around with unprocessed relational trauma, developmental trauma, shock trauma, generational trauma. There's all kinds of that shit floating around. And um, what it does is it, it removes us from our ability to, to feel scary feelings, yeah. right? Like the, the, the effectiveness of trauma as a survival mechanism rests squarely on its ability for, to make us dissociate from our feelings. <laughs> you know, so this is a thing that happens. It's very common. A lot of people are starting to learn about it and talk about it and write books about it now. And thank God, because we've just been hurting each other for thousands of years with no idea why we're doing it. Yeah. So, and yeah, so there's this dissociation that happens. And sometimes it's, uh, another thing is cognitive dissonance, yep. where, where you have this like, you know, I need, to, I need to hate this person right now. And I have these feelings of like, I just loved them for 10 years. And now I need to take actions that look like protecting myself and hating them. And it's, it's hard to have two of those things happening in your brain at the same time. Yeah. And so we have to convince ourselves like, this is a terrible person. I need to treat them coldly and, and dehumanize in ways in order for me to be able to function with what I have to do. So yeah. gnarly mm-hmm. question. Good one. <laughs> Good, good answer. And Joe said, uh, I've seen that happen to a friend before. I'm assuming he's meaning he's referring to what you were sharing about the military. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for providing some insight to that. And so yeah, this question like I can relate to because yeah, the this happened more than once when a situation I've been in relationships, and it's ended and then like, they won't even look at me. And I'm like, do you not remember? Like, nothing happened. Like, I didn't key your car. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. in some situations, they were the ones to end it. And if anything, like, I should have been the one to be, like, not salty. Yeah, exactly. That's so, thank you. Yeah, I should have been the one to be, like, salty and, like, petty or whatever, you know, ever else. But they're the ones that ignored me. And so I'm like, what the fuck? And to your point, like I feel in my, well, in one of the most recent situations, I think that it was because, and I don't want to speak for them, but you know, you kind of have to at least like come to some kind of terms. Like I know you, like I read books, like I've done a lot of work myself. And so what I kind of, you know, came to understand that I feel based on what I know about them and their experience um, and their past traumas is that, yeah, it's something where they were so close. It was so painful like to to no longer have me because I think that they perceived me as rejecting them when that was not what was happening mm-hmm. and exactly what you said they needed to hate me so they made up some shit to like push me away and to justify the fact that they just like shut down because they don't have the tools because like you said their experience with trauma and like whenever things happen is that we don't talk about it mm-hmm. and so I think that yeah that was like their go-to and what they ended up doing and so that's not to add anything but just to serve as a testament to like what you said like that has been my experience. Like the mm-hmm. things that you said as reasons why people act so cold in my experience, that that's been true. And so, yeah. Let me sprinkle this on top. Um, the opposite of love is not hate. It's the apathy. opposite. Yeah. It's indifference. And yes. so when someone like you're dead to them, that's the opposite of love, you know, and, and maybe they're doing that for a reason. Um, who knows? But, that could be a whole nother discussion, but yeah. just putting that out there. And that's why it hurts so much. Yeah. That's why it's so gut wrenching when someone sees you and they don't even acknowledge that you exist. It's like, uh, it's, it's the opposite. Yeah, yes. Dehumanizing because it's like, you're not even acknowledging my existence. It's which tough. It's one thing, you know, if I just, you know, don't know you from a hole in the wall, 
but it's different if you're someone that like I have been vulnerable with and that you know we had like future plans like we speak about in the episode so yeah it's very different and um yeah that's why it hurts so much for the the recipient of that who's being ignored because not only is it like this person's gone but now it's like bam double slap in the face like you slapped me on one cheek and now it's on the other because (laughs) Ah. it's like now you won't even look at me you won't even acknowledge that hi like i'm here i'm a person and like Mm. you said it's something where you know they could not be doing okay like you don't know that could be just how they're dealing with it they could not be dealing with it they could be doing you know some of the other unhealthy coping mechanisms like we don't know and so to to sum all that up not your circus not your monkeys you figure out what you need to do in order to make so yeah all right the last question that we got asked in the poll results and then we have other questions like if you have time but otherwise like i get it like those weren't originally in here um is what is your opinion on the underlying causes of limerence? Yeah, so this word limerence. Mm-hmm. Do you want read the definition? Yeah, go for it. The first time I heard it, I was like, what the hell is that? So yeah, yeah, so let the people know. All this question, yeah, I was like, what is that? So full transparency, I had to Google, so I had it pulled up for you. So limerence is the state of being infatuated or obsessed with another person, typically experienced involuntarily or characterized by a strong desire for reciprocation reciprocation why well, i don't know why i felt <laughs> i don't know why i could say that <laughs> of the other one's feelings but not primarily for a sexual relationship hmm okay i've never read the definition of it i just in That's my mind it's like the the pink cloud of a fresh relationship that's you know, what Google said. The unicorn ride of all this, everything is magical. And, oh, I never felt this way before. I'm so in love, all that right. crap. And then eventually that wears off. Like, that's the beginning of a relationship. It's wonderful. Enjoy it. Rub it in. Soak it in. Um, and, like, y'all got to reckon with reality here in, in, in a couple months. <laughs> so <laughs> thoughts on, on limerence. The first thing I'll say is, and I've, I've written – over a hundred articles. And, and so if there's a topic, I probably wrote an article about it, but I, I wrote an article, um, the inherent pitfalls of dating, where I talk about, um, when you date, people understand that when my needs are met, I feel good. And when my needs are not met, I feel bad. And so right. when you date someone, generally speaking, we just meet the hell out of each other's needs. I see you giving you attention and affection and time and this validation and like all of your emotional needs. Like I'm just going to meet all of your needs. And you're going to just go into a blissful state of rapture and you're going to see my face and you're <laughs> going to fall in love with me. Cause you're like, Oh man, you know, this is a, I feel so wonderful. And it's because of him. This is love. Maybe it's because someone was just meeting a whole bunch of your needs after you were being single and having to like, you know, do this stuff yourself. And so it's, it, it feels pretty magical. Um, also in this early stages of your, your relationship, all of your problems kind of disappear. You know, there's this distraction. There's the this magical day. high of like, you know, oh, this new partner. What are we going to do this weekend? Or like, what are they thinking right now? And checking your text message. Like, all oh, whatever problems you got going on in your life just fade in the background. And it's this magical experience. So also part of that is hormones. There's <laughs> all kinds of <laughs> adrenaline and oxytocin and vasopressin and all that stuff. Um, ooh, nice. Ricky, good, good recommendation on the book. Um, and also, I think there's some element of delusion 
that happens in the early stages of love where we think, oh, I found the one. This is my soulmate who has completed me. And I've been looking my whole life for this one magical person. And it feels like we found them. It really does. And that's great. Cool. Like, write a song about it. You know what I mean? Um, and that wears off when eventually you find out that you just found another human being that's, like, probably, you know, pretty cool, but, like, not particularly all that special. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that, but, like, we're all just humans. You know what I mean? And, like, all right, you found somebody compatible. Cool. But guess what? They're a human. They got problems. They got flaws. They got baggage. They're not going to act right all the time. You guys are going to see not eye to eye on things. Like, they're human. Yeah. You know, and so this this delusion wears off eventually because reality is going to knock on your door when you start having these differences and like, oh, I feel this way and my partner feels that way and, you know, getting these little debates and arguments. And at that point, you either blame them or wrestle with reality and say, hey, you, you used to be this way, but now you changed. Like, mm, no, like we were infatuated. We were in this limerence kind of thing. And um, that wasn't reality. <laughs> like the beginning of a relationship is, is this magical thing. God bless it. Let's all enjoy those moments. But please know that that's not reality. Yeah. So limerence. Yeah, we could do a whole workshop on that. And I'm cool with hanging out for, I don't know, I guess maybe for another 20 minutes or so. Because people were firing off some good questions in the, yeah. in the comments. And I don't want to just bounce. Because right. there's some good questions. So let's, let's get to them. All right, cool. So thank you. And mm -hmm. uh, kick it off the first good question from Anxious Hearts Guide. Curious what you guys have experienced as the single biggest step to addressing our relationship trauma. The single biggest step towards addressing our relationship trauma. I'm only going to say this, one, because I believe it, but also, two, because... I'm writing the chapter in the book with Ricky right now on shame. And I really believe that shame is this thing that it, uh, it's a byproduct of trauma. A hundred percent of the time, trauma results in shame and shame is this thing that we carry for the rest of our lives. And unless we, we do something about it and heal it, but shame says I'm fundamentally flawed. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. I don't deserve, you know, whatever. Like shame is this internalized message um, that, that is a block, is a bar to all healing and progress and growth. As long as you feel that you are broken, you know, and people say, like, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm crazy or I'm, you know, I get this way or I'm, I'm a savage in relationships or like people have all these I am statements that are just super negative things that they've identified with. Um, and, and there's a period at the end of that statement. I am trash, period. You can't heal that. You can't polish a turd. If you believe that that's what you are, that's it. Case closed, end of discussion. But when you shift from I am broken, there's something wrong with me. When you move to this curiosity, what happened to me mm -hmm. when I was a kid? Why did, why did I become this way? Why did I adapt? Why am I afraid of vulnerability? I wasn't born that way that something happened to me right. and then you can move to oh i'm not broken and unlovable I, I actually did a really good job of surviving something yep now i gotta figure out what i had to survive 
and, and what unmet needs, what fears I need to soothe, what do I need to heal so I can lay down this survival strategy that's no longer serving me? So that's the answer to my question is shame. Anytime I meet someone who's like, I've done all the therapy, read all the books, I've done all of the things, and I'm still terrible. And I go, bing, 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 shame. <laughs> like, that's why you're stuck. Yeah. So get rid of the shame. Then you can, you, you can make some progress. Then you can, you can move forward. But shame will, will keep you at zero forever. I had a flashback to our first conversation, which is uh, where someone told me you were not your trauma response, where you talked about the book, What Happened to You, uh, Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah. And I actually got it. I started reading it. It's super good. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. My response, um, I was going to say self-awareness. Um, like really knowing yourself, like self-discovery, like understanding, mm -hmm. which goes hand in hand with like what you said. Um, because if you don't know what you are shameful about, like it requires, like knowing what you are shameful about, you know, requires like getting to know yourself. And that's not always easy, right? Like it's, it's hard, like it's uncomfortable. Like oftentimes we know there's an elephant in the room, like there's space, but like, I don't want to look at it because if I mm -hmm. look at it, what if it steps on my foot? If I look mm -hmm. at it, like, what if it sees me and like, attack? I don't want to deal with it. Right. Like, I don't, I don't I'm just going to go over here and try to dress, like, even though I don't have much space, like I can't fully stretch out my arms. And I feel that, um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that elephant in the room, like figuring out what that is. Um, so yeah, that, that I think would be my response. You are the relationship coach, um, and the expert here in that regard. So um, yeah, but that, that is what I would say would be, um, yeah, what, a, what a loaded question, the single biggest step, because yeah. I mean, it's all, yeah, like, there's so much, there's so much there. Um, but yeah, so okay, cool. What Mark Marks asked next was the difference between or what is the difference between isolating and giving myself time and space? Mm, man, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Um, so there's, there's a difference between spending time by yourself yep. and spending time with yourself. Yep. I think that's the difference that we're looking at right now. So isolation is when you are suffering by yourself with unmet needs yeah. and solitude, spending time with yourself, giving yourself time and space to grieve or feel or do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. That is a place where you're meeting your needs, where you're recharging, where you're taking care of yourself and, and doing what you need to do. And solitude is an actual need, just like sleep. Like if you don't sleep, you're going to turn into a meth head in, in a couple of days. You know what I mean? And same thing. We need sleep. Solitude is to the soul what sleep is for the body. So absolutely. Great question. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think that there is a slippery slope that can we can find ourselves on if it's something where we give ourselves like like when do we know that we have given ourselves like enough space and cross the line into isolation right, right. Yeah. and that we're like like <laughs> a vampire like saying to myself and so to that um to answer my own question that i asked there you know like you know when you know yeah, you know when you're like you're pushing people away and mm. yeah, like you know when you're pushing people away because you either don't feel deserving of their time and attention versus when 
you're pushing people away because you're like, I really just need to, to get a handle on what I'm feeling right now. And then I appreciate your, your concern and support. And like, I, I'll come back out after that. So I think that that would be a way to kind of discern between like, yeah, if I'm, I'm clearly like, no, I don't deserve this versus if I'm like, you said like, I'm doing this because I want to be, and I need to be in solitude right now. So. Yeah. If, if to put some more words on exactly what you said is, if I feel like I don't deserve to be around other people because I feel like I'm a burden to them, mm. that's toxic shame, that's isolation. Cut that right. shit out. Go hang out with some people. Right. All right, cool. Love that. All right, so Christine had asked, Ooh, are you ready? Okay, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> what if the other person cheated? Is that them saying, I'm not growing with you, so it's time to end? Mm. I saw that question. I was like, ooh, I hope we get to that one. Um, if someone went outside of your relationship to get their needs met, it's probably because they did not know how to do that within the relationship and they were too afraid to do it or unskilled or, um, or maybe they have some shame and they're like, I don't deserve a healthy relationship. I don't deserve to get my needs met in this relationship. So I'm going to, I'm going to self-sabotage. Yep. So um, yeah, there's something going on there. If someone, is is unfaithful um yeah i mean it, it may not be a conscious choice like i don't want to be in this relationship with you right. so i'm gonna go sleep around it may just be this like shameful thing or like i alluded to before there's because this was my experience where i didn't know how to express my wants and my needs and my boundaries and so i would be this like super nice guy super boyfriend i'll do all the things and, and never disagree and i'll be a very nice guy and not get my needs met. And when I do that, or when people do that, they start looking around, where could I get these needs met? Because I, I don't know how to ask for them, so I'm gonna go snatch them somewhere else. It's a lot of times what infidelity is. And if you wanna know more about infidelity, check out Esther Perel. She mm. is one of my heroes. She is a superhero, one of the most brilliant relationship experts alive. Top five that are alive. She's, she's a gangster, check her out. Yeah. She has a, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. That book, yeah. Mating in Captivity. But she, she's got a bunch of she got podcasts, yeah. books, all kinds of things. Check her out. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Good question. And yeah, I I would just second that. Like, it, it might be, but more likely, I feel it's like that's a cowardly way of saying like, I want out. It's time to end. Yes. Like, if the other person cheated, it's yeah. Like, there's like you said, there's something. Like, I think there's a lot of unknowns. To, to give like a really like solid answer on that, but um, it could be. So that's not like the best answer. I personally think it could be them like trying to say that and not knowing how to say, hey, like, mm -hmm. but yeah, more likely I feel that it would be them to you, exactly what you said, self-sabotage, like in we some could, form. We could look at that as behavior uh, as communication. Yeah. Right. They don't know how to communicate with their words, so they're going to use this behavior. And I, I saw this question, uh, Esther, uh, Esther Perel, E-S-T-H-E-R, and then Perel, is it P-E-R-E-L? Uh -huh. Esther. Esther Perel? Yeah, um, P-E-R-E-L. She, -E she definitely, she has a book, I can't think of the name, but she has a whole book about betrayal and infidelity, and she, she talks about that a lot. And she's, she's like... Uh, the State of Affairs. State of affairs. Oh, she's just advanced level human. <laughs> she's so brilliant. 
So yeah, check her out. And I'm putting, so I've been making notes. So I'm going to put um, all this in the description. Um, yes. Books that you mentioned, Russell Brand, um, you mentioned Pete Walker. I'm going to put all this in the description and I'll cool. make sure the investors in there as well. So you will have that um, after this is posted. So Natalie Brooke had asked um, two questions. So first, uh, and then we have these two questions and then one about journaling that I think me and Anxious Hearts guy answered also, but we can also touch on that as well. So Natalie Brooke asked, is it a self-worth thing because you don't walk away? It can be. Um, and we may have talked about this in the podcast where um, uh, some, in some cases, like fighting for my marriage, you know, not walking away is, is strength and it's, it's showing up 50% for your partner, you know, maybe they're, they're having a hard go of it and they're not showing up all the way. And so like, you know, maybe you're trying to pick up your slack for your partner because we do that in relationships. Um, or if your needs are consistently not being met, you're being ignored, you're being abused, you're being neglected. Like if the relationship is trash and you're not walking away, yeah, that's, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. There's shame and self-worth and there's trauma and there's, you know, reenactment of, of maybe, you know, like, what, does that look like your parents' relationship? <laughs> you know, like there's, there's a lot that that can be. But yeah, hanging on to something that's clearly no good anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, an abandonment wound or something underneath of that. You know, and this is this is a big one for um, anxious attachers, where you know they they didn't get their need met for for healthy connection as kids, and so they have this fear of abandonment. And so they're like, I'm going to hang on to this person because it's better than nothing. And so, yeah, yeah, there's there's a um, yeah uh, uh, some problem underneath of that. And again, like get a therapist, get a coach, get a book. <laughs> you know, like just dig into this work because there's something in there that that needs your attention there's some like there's some wounded child in there that's that's crying out for help and and we got to pay attention to that yeah and we have a comment i needed to walk away decades ago i survived on breadcrumbs which yeah. i think you're not alone a lot of people do a lot yeah. of people i yeah is it a self-worth thing because you don't walk away so like adam said and then something that i shared early on i don't think that this person was on whenever i shared this but that um, I made a post about it. It's like my most recent post where, you know, oftentimes I think we hold on because whenever we let go, we're also letting go of that person that we were like in that relationship and like mm -hmm. the person that we wanted to be right. Like oftentimes a lot, we ascribe like our identities to, you know, being in relation with someone because society's told us like, you're supposed to find someone and blah, 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 and white horses and shit. And so it's something where when we find ourselves in that relationship, we will do anything to hold on to it. For the sake of, you know, our perceived identity, whether identity, ourself, how we see ourselves or how we think, how we think others might be seeing us because, you know, and that's a whole ass other conversation about like needing the validation from others. But um, it's something where it can be a self-worth, but it could also be that you are fearing like you don't know who you are potentially mm -hmm. or you're, you're not confident who that is. And so you're really holding on to that person because by doing so, and this is another thing that I said in the last post that I made, um, 
you are also potentially avoiding and Adam, you touched on this earlier, looking at your own shit mm -hmm. because you're so busy talking about their shit and trying to help them. So you're passively like indirectly avoiding your stuff um, or because you're so fixated on like, you know, what you are together that you don't have time, whether that be literal like time or whether that be like in the sense of the emotional like space to actually emotional like, bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional bandwidth. Yeah. So um, those are my responses to that. And, and let me add my, my friend Ricky talks about this all the time about she's the anxious attachment guru um, that a lot of anxious attachers don't feel confident and competent at their ability to care for themselves, get their needs met, take care of themselves. And so they're like, oh, I need another person. I can't do this myself. Yeah, there's not inner trust. They don't have a, like much trust in themselves. Yes, yeah. and so that's something to to work on is is building that skill. It's a skill, the ability to take care of yourself, like self care and self love and self discipline, self worth. All these things are skills that a lot of us were not taught. Yep, relationships are a skill. Yes. Yeah. And we can learn them. And we um, can learn them. Absolutely. And that was, there's someone asked the question, how, how do I go from being an anxious attacher to a secure attacher? We can't answer that question right now. Let's use Watch this whole video, listen to the podcast, buy Ricky's anxious hearts guide, like read all my articles. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot that goes into it. A good place to start would be take my relationship quiz. It's free. Fictionpicker.com. Take a little quiz. I'm guessing you're going to uh, score as an anxious attacher. <laughs> you're going you're to get an email sequence. Um, that's basically like a free mini course on, on doing exactly that, moving from anxious to secure. So please go do that, um, whoever asked that question. Or, or anyone, go, to, go take the quiz. It's, it's yeah. free, a lot of free, good information and resources. Yeah. It will also be linked in the description. So check that out uh, if you were listening to or watching the replay. Uh, we had, so Natalie Brooke also asked, what is the root of an unjust feeling after a breakup? <laughs> what a question um what is the reason for my feelings <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna answer this one um the unjust feeling um that i didn't deserve this i think is is the feeling i didn't deserve this mm -hmm. i'm trying to wrap my head around this question right now right what, like, what is the root of that feeling or is it yeah like is it if if I didn't deserve this. Um, yeah, this unjust. Yeah, I, I think it, it may come from the way that humans in general love their certainty and they mm. love things being mm. a certain way and they, they love reciprocity. And if I believe this, you should be that way. And if I made these sacrifices for our relationship, you should do that as well. Like there's a lot of assumptions that we make about ourselves, about other people and about reality. And when reality doesn't line up with that, we feel that there's an error in the cosmos. There's been a typo. <laughs> this is unjust. Uh, I, I don't deserve this, you know. Um, Anxious heart guide says a false sense of entitlement to question mark. A false sense of entitlement. Um, after a breakup that, yeah, I'm entitled to, to this, that, or, or whatever, or you should treat me this way, or you, you, you're supposed to, you know, be friendly to me now, you know, or, yeah, there's, I, there's some entitlement that goes along. Also, also came up for me was just now, like just came to me was, uh, this is kind of like, I'm in denial, right? Like, it's like, you're in disbelief. Like, 
well, how could this happen to me? Like there's, yeah, like there's, mm -hmm. there's several ways we can interpret this question. <laughs> I once heard a, a, a speaker say that when you feel ripped off, mm -hmm. it's codependency. Ooh. I mean, when, when you feel like, oh, I didn't get, you know, what I deserve here or something like. Drop that mic. <laughs> you are expecting something. And there's a lot of covert contracts that go into relationships with people where I do this for you and you got to do this for me, all that shit. In codependency, there's a lot of fun definitions for codependency, but one of them is um, trying to get my needs met by meeting your needs. Mm. It's this like, mm -hmm. you know, this trade-off. I'm going to do these things for you with fully expecting that you're going to do this, this, and this for me. Right. And I, I already paid up front, so you owe me. Right. That's not how it works, champ. Right. Right. Codependency. Right. Mm. All right. Well, there's some there's some good answers for you to <laughs> yeah. um, press rewind on that one. Yeah, <laughs> for real. <laughs> and then uh, beer meets smoke had asked as a person that's never journaled, what's a good way to start? I had said uh, I'm a big fan of brain dumps. Also voice noting because I know a lot of people don't like to sit and write. I think mm -hmm. I self-diagnosed ADHD, so also that can be kind of like anxiety-inducing if you want me to like sit down and write my feelings. Do a homework assignment. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but driving in the car and like voice noting, that that's totally like, that That mm. feels less like pressure. That feels like a lot of yes. Um, Or like going for a walk. And so, yeah, I think that that's a good way. Anxious Hearts Guide also suggested doing like a, a journal, like a prompt situation. So you're not looking mm -hmm. at a blank piece of paper so that you have prompts and questions to kind of get like, to kind of, lube it up if you will um, yeah my verbiage not hers <laughs> but yeah just kind of yeah um, no no R ricky has a book with it's she's got journal prompts and so and there's a lot of these things where there's yeah. um you know there's gratitude journals and, and different types yeah. of journals where they have like a daily question and it, it kind of yeah it gets the juices flowing yeah. so yeah you can do that and like you said journaling ain't for everybody so you yeah. don't have to like hop on the journal train or else you're a loser and you're not doing it right and you ain't woke enough any of that yeah, um, some people talk, some people, um, you know, some people can, can write music, write songs, write poetry, when like journaling yep. feels too much like a homework assignment. There's yep. a lot of different ways to express yourself yep. without necessarily sitting down with pencil and paper. Yeah, 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 I love that. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So wanna go over, because we ask everyone every week, just what is some shit that you wish someone told you about the topic. So we asked you, what is some shit you wish someone told you about why you can't get over them? And so I'm going to walk through these. Um, and then from there, uh, if you want, we'll do rapid dish fire questions. If not, we will call it because we we have talked, sir. We have talked. And we um, do this. We, we do, do this. this. We do this. I hope that it's been valuable. And yeah, thank you all for talking and staying here with us. I know some of you have been on it the whole last time. So I appreciate that. And thank you for your um, comments and your questions. And then, yes, yeah, so like Adam mentioned, Anxious Hearts Guide has a prompt journal on Amazon for anxious attachers. Um, voice notes, such amazing suggestion. Thank you. Yeah, like people, the voice notes are successful. If you are new to journaling, I highly recommend um, pulling out your phone um, and definitely trying that out. Okay, so we asked, what is some shit that you wish someone told you about why you can't get over them? And the responses were, it's not on you. It's their emotional reaction to the past. Mm. Right? Just just wait. These are these are also good. These when it's hysterical, good. it's historical. Mm. Mm. Oh, and look, you're getting some love in the comments. Beer Meat Smoke says Adam the goat. That's and right, baby. Now, now you're getting little goats. 
Um, <laughs> there's no manual on how long it's supposed to take. So take as much time as you need. That's right. On your time. Yeah. Because I think so many of us are like, all right, on to the next one. Like I've been sad long enough. And it's like, glad that you are at a place where you're wanting to feel better. And at the same time, you can't just flip a switch. Like you can't just decide it's something there's, there's something between like, you know, conscious awareness and then also actual embodiment. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's important to give yourself the time because the, the one doesn't happen right after the other kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, it helps to have several friends. You can talk with a therapist and hobbies to focus. On. Oh my God. Okay. We're back. Yes. Why? Okay. Anyway, we're back. Yay. Um, it helps to have several friends you can talk with the therapist hobbies to focus on exercise also which i agree with as well um and the movement i consider super important um it helped me see my worth what a healthy relationship was and it broke me out of some cycles so rescuing and people pleasing and the end of something is the beginning of something else and i thought that was like a really nice one are you there? Love it. Love it. I'm here. Right. Your screen is frozen for me. Right. Okay. No, no. Okay. We're good. Okay. Now we're good. Now we're good. Whew. Okay. Thank God. I about, I about had some anxiousness over there. About to get my brown paper bag. Okay. So um, that is that. Thank you all again. Uh, do you want us to do rapidish fire questions or do you want us to wrap it up? Because I know we've been on here for a minute. We, we got one minute. Now I got to go cook some dinner. So let's go. One right. minute. Rapid fire. All right. What's a life hack you wish you knew sooner? Asking for your needs. Just literally using your voice and asking people for what it is you need. Love. What's an <laughs> awesome book you wish someone would have told you about? Uh, Complex PTSD, PTSD by, by Pete Walker from Surviving to Thriving. Like super comprehensive, amazing book. Everything you need to know about CPTSD. Love. Name a feel-good go-to thing that everyone needs to know. Um, I would say that when you feel bad, oftentimes it means you have unmet needs. And when you feel good, it's when it's your needs are being satisfied. So your, your, your feelings are kind of a check engine light for your soul. So pay attention to your feelings because they're giving you vital biofeedback about the quality of your self care. Love. Boom. Love. What do you wish all clients knew before working with you? Oh, damn. Um, I wish all clients knew that they are not actually broken. I love that. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, what someone asked me once. And yeah, that's, that's my answer that, yeah, there's nothing wrong. There's with nothing you. wrong with you. You make perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is something in your life today that you get really excited about that younger Adam would be looking at you like shaking my damn head. That is embarrassing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Writing. I'm yeah. a writer, John. I write my ass off with thousands of words a day with clients, with blogs, with, with Instagram. Like I write a lot and I love it. I love it. And I, I have a degree in electrical engineering. I'm like a math science guy. Like younger me was like writing. What the hell is that? Yeah. So yeah. That's hilarious. So that's way more exciting. Mine is this box cutter that I discovered. That's very exciting. But when I use it, I'm like, this is a nice ass box cutter. <laughs> Younger Jada would be like, bitch, it is a box cutter. Yeah, like, you haven't seen you? it. <laughs> you haven't seen it. It's a really nice box cutter. But nice. yeah, here I am. This is, this is adulthood. Um, okay. So last question. 
if you could tell everyone just one thing that is some shit you wish someone told you, what would it be? One thing, there's a lot of one things, but in this moment, I'm gonna say that uh, you will be surrounded by millions of people on your journey, friends, family, partners, coworkers, neighbors, like literally millions of people will be around you and in your life, but none of those people are on your journey. This is your journey only, and you have to do it. You have to make your choices. You gotta put your pants on one leg at a time, and like, you have to live this life. If you let other people live it for you, you're going to be real salty on your deathbed. So know that this is your journey and you're driving this thing and you are fully responsible for it, whether you like it or not. Damn. Damn. Drop there it, it is. That is it. Thank you very much. Where, do they, where can they find you? What do you have going on? Obviously, at Fix Your Picker on all of the social medias the and things. Right. Um, my my yeah fixyourpicker.com take the quiz get on you know subscribe to the blog um, i'm working on a book project with with anxious hearts guide my friend ricky um that hopefully comes out on spring or summer next year whatever it's you know it's, it's in the works um i don't know what else is going on i've I started doing some classes this year and workshops mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so just be on the lookout get on my mailing list and i'll let you know because um i've I can only coach so many people one-on-one. -on -one. I, I got a stack of awesome clients. I got a waiting list with a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. I have to do more video content, more podcasts, more articles. I need to reach more people in, in other ways, in, in classes and stuff, because um, this, there's a definite demand for this. So yeah. just be checking for Fix Your Picker, Adam Moraskis. I'm out here just trying to share the resources, share the love, share the knowledge with everybody. Yeah. And for everyone listening and watching, help him out with that. Share this podcast. Share this replay. Share our podcast. If you've not already listened to it, it is an awesome one. And I don't say that lightly. Um, thank you for your time. You're getting some, we're, we're getting some kudos here. So we got some thank yous. Thank you, Adam. Uh, you're the best writer, capital letters. Um, and you're still a solo flyer. Uh, bar, so much knowledge being dropped. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you all for watching and for being here. Adam, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Like I said, make sure to check out the episode if you've not already. It's available on YouTube. It's available on all locations that you love to listen to get your podcast fixed. Um, this will also be reposted as a podcast as well as on YouTube, so make sure to check out that. And on Monday at 8 a.m., the new episode is going to be out where we are talking about those acceptable feelings. So if when Adam's talking about that, I'm going to be speaking with um, Shannon Dyerly, who is a therapeutic coach. She has a degree in counseling, and it's a really great episode where we not only share you share with you, excuse me, um, you know what we what we mean by the acceptable feelings. Like I kind of give y'all spoiler alert, honestly here, but we talk about what's underneath there, why it's important, and how to actually figure that out with some tangible takeaways. So that's Love what it. I have for you. Thank you so much. Uh, we have a comment. Nick Spit, can you share the YouTube link? It is in the link in my bio. We've tapped the link in my bio. It is actually the first link is mine and Adam's video for this episode. So go on over there. We'll see you there. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank you, Jonna. You're awesome. I, I, love, awesome. I love doing this. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I'm, we'll probably do it again, actually. So, I so. <laughs> I'll see you around. We have one. Yes, sounds good. Bye, everyone. Have a good weekend. See ya.